Hello, this is Property Matters, a weekly catch-up on all matters property, supported by Fairview International Property Consultancy and auctionproperty.co.uk. And we're live every Sunday from 10am on YouTube, LinkedIn and Facebook, as well as our website, propertymatterstv.co.uk. And if you're watching on our website, don't forget to leave us one of those Google reviews, be much appreciated. And you can leave your comments in the comments section if you're watching us on social media at any time. Our email address is hello at propertymatterstv.co.uk if you'd like to get in touch. And it's also available as a podcast every Monday, 10 a.m., 24 hours after the main Sunday show on all of the platforms you can see over on the other side of the screen. Uh, and also, uh, we're being broadcast on Dilsa Radio as well, and we welcome new listeners there. So, Joe... Hi, how are you? And welcome this Sunday to Property Matters. Yes, good morning, Paul. Good morning, everybody, um, and to uh, all our listeners and viewers. Uh, as always, uh, plenty to talk about in property currently. Yeah, we pretty much did the mortgage market to death uh, last week. And of course, there was uh, an announcement this last week of interest rates raising by another half a percent, which isn't going to be great news for those looking to refinance or get a mortgage for the first time. But we did kind of cover that quite a lot last week. So I think what we'll do is we'll move on. And we haven't talked about rental for a while, Joe. And uh, that coincides with the fact that the Zoopla UK rental market report has come out for May. And uh, there's some interesting findings in here, actually, which I thought we'd all go, have a look at and discuss. So annual rental inflation for the moment for new lets is 10.4%. Uh, 28% uh, rent as a percentage gross earnings. So basically your rent is now 28% of your um your income, which is the highest it's been for a decade, and 51% of landlord sales located in the in London and the southeast. So this this uh, supposed exodus of landlords is happening largely in the southeast, where of course it's going to be too expensive to refinance, uh, and also the, the the yields just aren't there for the uh, for the landlords to make the money that need to do. So uh, let's just have a quick look at the uh, um, the executive summary. So rental inflation running at double digits for the 15 consecutive month. No let up in supply demand imbalance as we enter a busy summer period when demand typically increases by up to 40%. Rents have grown faster than average earnings over the last 21 months. Rental costs as a proportion of earnings reached the highest for a decade. And emerging evidence of growing stress for renters on lower incomes, weakness in the sales market likely to support rental supply in uh, the second half of the year. And higher mortgage rates hit 20 to 30% of landlords with the largest loans. Uh, so those are the uh, executive summary report findings, Joe. Nothing really much of a surprise there, but uh, in, uh, rentals rising by 10.4%. That's just yet another thing. And that's, in fact, faster than wages because wages are growing by 7.2%. So it's getting even more unaffordable rent. Uh, yes, I mean, Paul, uh, the rental market is just going um, a bit gaga at the moment. So rents are going... Um, rocket high, skyrocket high. Um, it's just um, it's, it's a case of supply and demand, uh, unfortunately. Um, and with the with the number of people that are exiting um, the rental market, especially uh, in the southeast and London, where you know it's now become um, very unaffordable with the mortgage rates that have been going up, especially on the buy to let, not so much on the on the first-time buyer or, or ordinary, ordinary sales, but certainly on the buy-to-let market, the rates have um, you know almost doubled in some cases now, um, and that makes it unviable um, for people to continue to uh, hold on to property. So they are they are out, which means that there is a huge 
void area where there isn't enough supply. Um, when something does become vacant, people are looking to sort of um, sell and take out whatever equity they've got. They may um, redo that, but they may do that in another part of the country where the returns might be a bit better. But certainly in the South and, and London area, that is becoming a huge issue. And we know that, I mean, the number of calls we are getting from people. And if there's a property that is available to rent, it doesn't take particularly that long um, to find. The key really thing is, is, is to find the right person. And finding the right person means that they, their affordability has got to be um, you know, uh, within, within their reach to pay the rent just alone. So the rent prices that are going shooting high are, you know, an, an average two bedroom flat, for example, is now 15, 1600 pounds a month, which was probably closer to a thousand pounds. Um, and when you then just start to say on top of that, you've got the rates, electric, gas, etc., and shopping and living. I mean, it's really a challenge for people to see if they can actually meet the criteria to be in the affordability factor just to, to get the rental property. So, I mean, last week we touched on the subject that in some places like um, Southall or other uh, areas that are inner London or, or, or West London area, I mean, people are paying just for the room you know, close to £900 a month. Um, so you can see why now the sharing market has become a big area because people can't afford to have their own place. So they are now looking to share. So if you have a, a three bed, four bed house, you know, each each one of those are probably be fetching you close to a thousand pound a room. Um, that's nearly £4,000 a month for a house uh, in some cases. So, you know, it's, 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 it's really becoming quite challenging for, for people to make it affordable um, in, uh, in trying to get the right rental properties. So in the South and London, definitely that is, that is a huge um, uh, scenario that's going on. And of course, in the other parts of the country, there is more availability, but it's then about jobs and accessibility. It's like you might have a job in, in London, but you might then need to move further out and then you've added transport costs. So it's a real, you know, um, uh, challenging uh, situation there. Of course, the other factor that uh, is pushing the rents up is the ongoing chronic imbalance between supply and demand uh, right across the UK. Um, and this is going to be exacerbated because uh, there is a usual up upturn, isn't there, in, uh, uh, in demand for rental properties as the summer goes into the autumn. So uh, in the second half of the year, there's going to be more people wanting to get on that rental ladder, um, particularly, obviously, as they come out of university and get into their first job, that kind of thing, and from college and so forth. So uh, with uh, little prospect of increased supply and growing unaffordability, um, that's going to that's going to impact the situation. Although, of course, there will be a point, I guess, won't there, whereby rent will become just so unaffordable that people won't be able to take the rent. So, therefore, that should drag back rental inflation. They're expecting that the growth should slow towards eight percent. I mean, it's ten point four at the moment. It should go back to around eight percent a year by the end of the year. So, um, it's not it's not an easy time, is it? No, I think it's very optimistic to think that it's going to go any, anywhere soon in the reverse, especially when you think that, you know, we're talking about certain aspects, but there's so many other aspects of the industry that are going to be affected. For example, you're going to find that where people have um, had to move out because landlords have sold, there's a huge growing market of that market that needs to be rehoused somewhere. 
Then there is those that have uh, decided that, um, you know, they're going to throw the keys back because they can't afford it. Those are also going to be looking to be rehoused. And of course, um, just generally, there is not enough housing, enough property available uh, for councils and for tenants and for um, other people, apart from students and, and private uh, uh, rentals, that um, <clears throat> you know, the stock is really, really drying out. And the government, unfortunately, hasn't helped that situation, though they I'm sure have their own method behind their madness. But from a layman's point of view, it doesn't seem like they've, they've got their act together in order to, you know, sort of ease up that supply that is required in the rental market. Let's take a look at some more of the figures. Here's the rental growth versus earnings. So you can see if you're watching us on the uh, live stream that, uh, and I'll explain it for those watching the, um, listening to the um the, the podcast that we have here on the screen, um, April residential lets, new rent lets, um, uh, April 2021, uh, year on year increase. It was actually down in April 21. And then the the, um, the gross earnings have, have, have been mapped across that. So you've got gross earnings up to, in April 21, they were up to nearly 10%, but they're now running at just over 7 um, and and the, the price of the rental has gone above the affordability of the of the wages. So the graph just goes completely up the other side for the first time in quite a while since 2016. In fact, so you can see that the uh, growth of the um, of the rental is outpacing the earnings, uh, which is an interesting uh, interesting factor. And then uh, if we if we look at uh, rent as a percentage of gross earnings, you can see that the black represents the 10-year average. So, for example, we take London. Uh, average rent as a percentage of gross earnings in London, it's something like 38-39%. Um, and in April 2023, it's even higher, almost 40%. Um, and across the UK in general, you've got sort of 25% as the average over the 10 years, and it's now sort of 28% or thereabouts. So you can see pretty much, in fact, the whole of the country in April 2023 the uh, percentage of rent um, is is higher than it's ever been in the last ten years. So it's a a ten year record. It uh, it doesn't look like slowing down either anytime soon, does it, Joe? No, because the housing market for for the sales part is is going to slow down and therefore uh, is become unaffordable at this moment in time. So the problem becomes to the rental market. The rental market is probably the quick, easy stop. Um, in a various uh, shape. One is that you can go and rent yourself a one or two bedroom flat. You can go and rent, you know, a shared one, or you can be part of an HMO where, where they've got shared facilities. And, or you can move further out where you might get a better value um, and travel back in. And especially since, of course, the pandemic, there's been a lot of people that have had the choice from working from home. And I think this is probably going to help that situation now because they're going to have to move further out in order to have affordable accommodation um, and be able to have um, the chance to work from home or travel in into, into the, uh, the centre maybe once or twice a week. Um, and a lot of people have gone back to work travelling in because working from home and, and isolation has um, turned out not to be a healthy process either. Uh, so people are finding it difficult to uh, be sitting on, on their own in front of a screen all the time. They want to be part of um, other work colleagues, but, you know, integrated into society almost. Um, and so people have, have gone back in. So it's a bit of a, a complete circle, but um, we have to appreciate that, you know, the country did come to a stop 
um, for a good part of two years um, on or off um, at that time. And, and that, whatever the results of that are, some of the, those results are here now panning out um, because of all the changes that we've had to make during that time. Rental inflation, of course, will only slow if we were to see a material increase in supply or perhaps weaker demand. And weaker demand seems unlikely given rising mortgage rates, um, which is impacting first-time buyers, so they're still having to rent. Strength of the labour market, of course, you've got plenty of people in work, so people have got uh, cash and they feel like they want to uh, maybe move out and uh, get into a rented property, perhaps. High immigration at the moment, of course, which we have discussed on the show before. Um, and a busy period coming up between July and September for demand. So it doesn't look like the demand's going to fall. And the level of homes to rent remains stuck at 20 to 40% below pre-pandemic levels in most regions. So it means that renters are chasing fewer homes and that's adding extra impetus to rental inflation. Yeah, and the supply has become very, very limited for a number of reasons. Building cost and building timescale has gone a bit silly. I mean, it takes ages now to get the process through. Um, I mean, you'll find that councils are having people working from home. So you haven't even got them turning up into the council offices where you can actually physically go and approach someone and talk about the planning application. It's all done online. So that takes its toll and takes time. Then you've got the building part of it. The builders are not able to get the building materials that they want in order to get the buildings done as quickly as possible. So, um, and of course, affordability, the cost of borrowing has gone through the roof in the sense that, you know, from where they were to where they are. So uh, the cost of materials, the cost of borrowing, so forth, has slowed the uh, supply demand, supply uh, aspect of, um, of new homes. Um, so it's a case of working with what you've got. Um, and even with what you've got, some of those people are now wanting to get out primarily because the yields are not there as a return. So it is, uh, I don't see that the demand is going to let up anywhere uh, or anytime soon at all. My concerns would be that the supply is becoming more and more limited um, and then, uh, you know, expect uh, rent prices to be going up and up and up at this moment in time. There is one positive you can glean from this, actually, if you think about supply. I mean, a sharp slowdown in the sales market could boost supply because fewer landlord sales um, and more owners pushed into renting because they can't sell their property. So, you know, landlords might feel that they want to sell, but no one's going to want to buy because they can't afford to buy it in the first place. So therefore, renting it out and continuing to, to offer a property for rent might be an opportunity. And also, um, you know, uh, higher borrowing costs are hitting the business plans of new investors as well. So that's slowing down the pace of new investment in property. And the impact of higher mortgage rates on the sales market always takes a few months to feed through, as we know. Um, and that would require mortgage rates to remain, um, uh, a, well, be a lot lower than they are currently if they're going to try and uh, manage to invest. So uh, it could well be that in the second half of the year that there are more properties available simply because people can't sell. And that is true, very true indeed. There are more properties available when they can't sell. And also there are more properties available when um, they do get, become vacant and they don't get the best price. So people can actually readjust their rental value. The problem is where people are, are already renting and the, the owners are paying a higher rate on their borrowing now 
um, and, and the tenants that are in the property are not able to afford to pay any more. That's the ones that want to get out. The ones that are vacant and haven't sold um, are likely to go back to the rental market um, and then put a higher rent on there. So to give you a, an example, let's say somebody was getting £800 a month for a one-bedroom flat. They were now probably going to get £1,200 if they were restarting. So whilst the borrowing value has gone up, then they would have had an income that would have gone up as well. Um, so that is, is possible. But I've had conversations um, during the week with people that want to sell um, and, and move on and found that they're not getting the prices that they wanted to sell or they're not getting a sale that is actually going to go through with the borrowings of the next buyer. There, my advice to them has been, you know, um, batten down for a couple of years if you can and just rent it out and then re rethink again um, uh, as to whether you want to sell it because you don't particularly want to lose money on it. And if you market something, it's something that we, you know, whether we're auctioneers or agents, we're not really going to sell. And it's just time and money that is going to go into something that is not going to be fruitful for anybody. Interesting that Zoopla aren't seeing the uh, exodus of landlords that has been much reported and widely reported. Um, <clears throat> they say, we do not expect to see a worsening in supply and talk of an exodus of landlords is being somewhat overdone. Their sales data continues to show a steady, constant flow of private landlords selling up. That's been the case, they say, since uh, 2018, but it's not accelerating. At the same time, there remains continued new investment in rented homes, mainly from corporate and institutional landlords. The net result is no change in the number of private rented homes since 2016. One in 10 on Zoopla formally rented out. Um, that's 11% of homes for sale on Zoopla are former lettings. This percentage has been broadly consistent for the last three years as a proportion of private landlords rationalise their portfolios or exit the market in the face of tax changes or higher borrowing costs. So it's not um, it's not a mass exodus, but there is definitely churn, Joe. Oh, yes, there's definitely no mass exodus. As I said, it's just about um, revigorating re, uh, uh, your stock. So if you have had a property that has been rented out for some time um, and it's been on a buy to let on, a, on a, a higher percentage, then that amount is going to be much higher than perhaps somebody who had bought a property, I don't know, say 15, 20 years ago and didn't refinance it, probably got no, no borrowing on it, hardly any borrowing on it. And it's just a, a pension pot and that is probably bringing a good but. The ones that have borrowed high are the ones that can't afford to continue. So they are the ones that are what we call about mass exodus. Um, but it's not such a mass exodus because not everyone is in that position. Now, some of those have managed to get their tenants out and then thought, well, we can't sell. You know, we don't want to undersell. But they've then re-let, um, but at a much higher rental, which is then given them enough money for their borrowing to wash its own face. Even if it was washing its own face to some extent, you know, rental income against, you know, the borrowing that's costing, you know, people are going to stay because they'll wait for the capital growth on the property as opposed to the rental yield return that would be normally on a month-to-month -month basis. So it's not as doomy and gloomy as, as the media would like to point out. But yes, there is a change of uh, guard, if you want to say, uh, that people are changing their, their strategy as to the right thing for them personally to do.
Looking at uh, the proportion of uh, landlords with uh, high load-to-value mortgages or no borrowings at all, it's pretty evenly split, interestingly. You'll have a graph on the screen, but I'll explain it. So basically, um, obviously, the higher borrowing is uh, hitting landlords very hard because they're having to refinance or or they're, they're just their interest rate is going up if they're on a variable. So using government data, Zoopla say that just under two-fifths of landlords have no mortgage. That's 38%. Uh, and then you've got... Um, 32% who have a lower than 50% loan to value and then you've got 30% these are the ones that are at risk potentially these are the ones who've got a higher loan to value loan to value um, rate which is over 50% so um, it's pretty evenly split and of course a lot of these are in the southeast Joe where they've had to get a mortgage because the property price in the first place is so high 51% of landlords um, in London and the southeast uh, are in that bracket as I said earlier, it's, it's only the ones that have had higher borrowing uh, against um, the period of over, say, the last five years, where they have had a tenant paying um, and they've had a yield out of it. But now the tenant is still paying the same amount, but the, the borrowing has become so expensive that they're the ones that have had to sort of either sell up or give notice to the tenant or negotiate with a tenant and say, look, I, I just can't afford to have you living here anymore. Um, so I have to ask you to leave because I want to sell the property. But then the tenant might say, well, actually, you know what? Well, I understand your dilemma. We can afford to pay a little bit more. It's going to be tough, but we want to stay. So as long as they can adjust that situation, then some people are not having to sell. But in some cases where they've had tenants that are just not in a position, especially if they've been uh, on some sort of benefit and they can't raise any more money to pay, then they have no choice but to leave. But that's where the second problem comes. When they leave and they've been getting some uh, income support or benefits from, from the council, then the council have to found, find them another place. And what the council don't realise is the next place is they're going to have to pay more anyway. So sometimes it's actually worth talking to the landlord and saying, look, we'd rather this person stay here, but we're going to have to up our game and pay you more money. But council's attitudes are, well, stay there as long as you can until you get some sort of eviction. And in the meantime, the, the amount is racking up and the frustration is building where the landlord is saying, look, I just want to get out. So, you know, it, it, is, it is a testing time. They also report, and you can see on the screen if you're watching, uh, recent ONS opinions and lifestyle data which uh, shows insight into the pressures of private and social renters on their ability to pay higher rents. The chart compares uh, the answers to three questions on rent rises and the ability to meet rental payments and how this has changed from November of last year to May this year. So last November, over a third of renters have experienced a rent increase in the previous six months. This has now grown to more than half as rents increase more quickly across the market. So it was 35% of people had had a recent rent increase in November. Now it's 53%. Um, uh, rising rents and living costs uh, mean more renters are finding it very difficult to pay the rent up from 10%, almost 15% now. So these are the people that are saying it's much more difficult now to pay my to afford to pay my rent. So basically, uh, you've, are you falling behind your, your rent? Yes, 4% last November, now 8%. 
a no, 96% then, and 92% now. So it's still, um, and, and it seems to be right at the very bottom end of the income capacity that, that this is being felt, as I suppose, which is kind of obvious. But generally speaking, many people saying that actually they are actually being able to afford their rent just about presumably making sacrifices elsewhere as well, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean, sacrifices where, to be to be honest with you, I mean, uh, the the cost of living has is, is rocketed. Food prices are, are, are silly, um, and so forth. Yeah, it's a, it's a really tricky time, uh, a balancing time for 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 all. Um, but uh, we, we're not so so much. We've been here before. We've been in these these dilemmas before, and I'm sure we're you know we'll all work to get to get get out of these uh, as time goes on. But certainly. Um, in the property market, the rental market is is far buoyant, far busier than currently that the the sales market is. So, concluding this, they say that there's a low likelihood of any major boost in supply. It is affordability and demand side factors that will have the greatest impact on rent inflation. Uh, they expect rental inflation to slow towards eight percent this year, higher than than, than they expected. Uh, we anticipate, they say. Uh, affordability pressures to start to impact rental inflation in the highest value markets in the next six to 12 months. In some more affordable areas, they say, there still could be some headroom for further increases in rent. So I guess if you're uh, renting in uh, in certain parts of the north where uh, rental prices and property prices are a little bit lower, perhaps there's even a bit of capacity to, uh, to still make a few bob. Oh, definitely. Um, like I said, it's about, the, it's about the transportation really next um you know how quickly you can get from a to b and if and what's going to make the difference in terms of how that's going to affect the uh, payment each each month but there is opportunities in the north definitely now for people to perhaps relocate but all i will say is that they've got to factor in you know the other costs and that's the actual travel costs and and time and of course time has a price too so you know, in terms of time, how long will it take to get from A to B or back to their offices or, where, or wherever they're going to work and whether that is a viable proposition. So that's why sometimes they end up paying more rent just because it's closer. I mean, if you did a survey, a lot of people prefer to be closer to their work if they can than, than to travel for an hour and a half, two hours every day just because the rental market might be better somewhere in the north but their job is to come to the south all the time. So yeah, there's a lot of things that they've got to consider in, in trying to achieve that goal. I wanted to move on to uh, something that we haven't really talked about for quite a while, and that's the, the life of the estate agent. Um, there's a report this week that says estate agents lose over £4,000 for every property sale that falls through. So it's an interesting uh, piece of research that's been done based on the average house price of 284100 combined with a typical agent fee of 1.42%. Moverly estimates that the uh, estimates that the average estate agent earned four thousand and thirty-four pounds per transaction last year. Given that an estimated thirty-one percent of transactions are thought to fall through before finally making it to the finish line last year, they say this equates to three hundred and fifteen thousand six hundred and fifty-two sales that have fallen through during 2022. Consequently, fall-throughs are estimated to have cost the UK estate agents collectively in the region of 1.27 billion in the year. And it's not just the agent that misses out on earnings from the transaction, of course. 
Conveyances typically make £2,239 per transaction when representing the buyer or £1,069 for the seller. As a result, it's estimated that conveyances working on behalf of the nation's home buyers could have lost out to the tune of £706.7 million due to the fall-throughs in 2022, while those acting for the sellers are thought to have lost £533 million. It's interesting because we have talked about the antiquated uh, and slow-moving conveyancing process many times, but we've never thought to, to, to consider what this report shows, and that is the financial implications of that. Well, yes, I mean, I could have covered that financial implication a million times over when I think back the number of sales that have fallen through due to um, either uh, poor conveyancing operatives or just poor um, collating of the deal. Um, sometimes there are several things in this uh, particular point that um, we need to sort of probably cover. First of all, most people think most people's perception um, is that agents um, don't tend to do a great deal for their money um, and that's the number one thing but if you took on board a perfect example that has you know unraveled um, in front of our eyes uh, a company called purple bricks who came into the business um, and raised a lot of money through the stock market lots of people did very well out of it, but ultimately it was sold for a pound to another rival, which probably won't hang around for too long either, um, because the perception of, of these people is that, you know, we can do this for free, for nothing. Well, there's no such thing as a free lunch and there's no such thing as a free situation for agents. And here is an example or a report that's been done by shows you that on average, 4,000 pounds is what it costs now, when you think about all the marketing material, all the time, office, staff, advertising, marketing, um, portals, etc., those are costs that are just not seen by the customer. They don't see it. They just think, well, that's something that you've got to, you've got to do. But every time a sale either is too highly priced, is on the market, or people put it on the market to test the water, and agents are fickle to take it on the market, um, to test the water at their cost, not at the cost of the person that's were testing the water. So a seller would come along and say, well, actually, you know what? I think my house is worth £600,000. Take it or leave it. If you don't want to put it on, an agent comes along and says, well, actually, if I don't take it, the next agent's going to take it. So I'll take it on for that money. Probably won't sell it. But what he doesn't realise is that he's now put himself in a position where he's going to spend money, time, energy, advertising, and listen to that person who set the price out and say, well, you said you could sell it, now you can't sell it, so you, I'm not gonna reduce the price. Then that sale goes to another agent, the other agent, so it's, it's a continuing cycle. So sometimes buy it, sell it, sorry, take, um, extract the Michael from, from, from agents because they know that I'll just keep shifting it from left to right and agents are fickle enough to allow that to, to happen. So 4,000 pounds is a good way of showing them how much is actually costing them each time they're making such a decision. Um, then it comes to the point of the sale. Then sales are put together for target purposes to appease perhaps a, a seller and a buyer. And actually the agent has probably not done their proper homework on the buyer uh, and even on the seller. Now, you, know, you might agree a sale and you think, well, that's okay, that that's, deal's done, I'll put it in the drawer and it will find its happily merry way sometime the next three to six months for, for that to come through. 
But if you don't nurture it, if you don't actually follow it through and understand the whole mechanism, the chances of that sale actually happening are pretty slim. Um, agents don't tend to you know, do their homework on their buyer and perhaps not even on their seller. The seller might have a very, very different ulterior motive. I've come across sellers over the years where they've put it on the market to do something that they need to do, but actually have never had any intentions of selling. Um, so it might be a matrimonial situation. It might be um, a financial scenario where they've actually got to put it on the market to demonstrate to a borrower or a lender and say, look, I've actually stuck it on the market. There it is. You can see it on with Fred Vlogs and Company. Um, it's on Right Move. It's on Zoopla. Fred Vlogs and Company are paying Right Move and Zoopla and everybody else to market that property. And it's there. And the seller has actually just done that because they need to do it. The agent's taking it on, thinking that you know, they are going to sell. But really, the underlying issue is that they're never going to sell. They've just done it for an exercise. I think I've always said that people should have skin in the game and sellers and buyers should have always put some money into a pot, albeit a token amount, to show whether they you know, genuinely are real to do this. Mm. And you'll find the majority of them will never do it. Um, and, and that's partly because agents do that to themselves. Nobody else does it. Agents do it to themselves. One agent might say, well, that's not how I want to do it. So, for example, I might turn around and say to somebody, well, actually, look, you know, you're doing this exercise. I want to, um, you know, 500 pounds because it's going to do my costs and you could do your exercise. I don't mind. But, you know, you're not going to sell it. I'm going to have to spend the money and time on it. So, but if I don't take it, another one down the road will. If everybody decided that they wouldn't do that for those people, sooner or later you will have a game changer. But unfortunately, there's always, throughout all the years that I've been in business, there's always somebody that gets up in the morning and go, actually, I can do this for free. That's what Purple Bricks did, and that's what Strike do, and that's what a lot of other millions of new operatives do. They all go, get up in the morning, and go, we could do that free. We'll bounce those people out. They're making millions. Actually, they take millions from the, 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 the people in stock markets and so forth, and then end up selling it for a pound. So I think that agents are equally at fault. They must always do their homework as much as they can and get as much reality. And if somebody has an exercise to do, then I would say, you know, stand up and be counted and tell them that you're going to charge them. You could always deduct it off the fee at the end. If the transaction goes through, you could say, well, look, we'll take 500 pounds up front. But if the transaction goes through, you know, we will reimburse that 500 pound in, in the end. But if it doesn't, that's your loss. So I think, you know, there's, there's a different way of dealing with it. But this is a, a lovely story and a lovely way to show any agent how much money they are losing out each time, not, you know, once in a time, each time. Each time a sale happens, then falls through, then another one happens, then it falls through and it continues. You could have three or four of these. So if you did that three or four times at 4,000 pounds, that's beginning to hurt the pocket a bit. What can agents do to minimise the number of fall-throughs, do you think, Joe? Do their research. They must do their research um, and ask the right questions um, from day one. Uh, back in the day when I started this, we used to have a sort of a, a sales memorandum and on the reverse of it, we would have a chain. And we would go up and down that chain, check everybody out, make sure that they were all on the same page. They all had the same agenda. They all wanted to do that. Unfortunately, 
come 20 odd years later, 30 years later, emails started coming into the world and we stopped talking to people and we just email people and, and, and you know, write notes and, and just not, not actually be physical and proactive in asking the question as to what it is. And you'd be surprised how much you can do. And call me old fashioned if you will, but old fashioned I am in that sense. And that is that, you know, sometimes it's the basics. It's back to those basics of picking up, communicating, asking the question, talking to people, talking to the brokers, talking to the um, solicitors that are involved and asking them where they are. Now I know that solicitors actually don't like the idea of a Friday morning phone call from an agent where they turn around and say, uh, good morning, uh, Paul, how's it going? And um, you know, what's the latest? Well, there's nothing worse than an agent picking up the phone to a solicitor on a Friday when he's got a thousand completions going on and asking him, how's the weather? Um, mm. You know, if you've got something, be constructive. So you know, maybe Tuesday or Wednesday might be not as, as a, a mad day, you schedule your calls, you, you, you do certain things in a certain way, and you can ask those questions, ask them after the t uh, before the time, after the time. For example, most agents, most solicitors will have will be dealing with their post first thing in the morning. They've got loads of posts in, and they've got to you know, farm that into the right places. So it might be that you won't, might not actually get any sense out of them till maybe 11, 12 o'clock. So why call them at half past nine and go, how's it going, Paul? Um, you know, how's the weather for you? It's mm. just, it doesn't, and so that doesn't help. So it's about understanding the system. If you understand the system, uh, that has been there forever. It's not changed, unfortunately, as much as we think it has, it has not. Um, and so you can actually systemize yourself in a more proactive way where you can have a conversation and understanding. And you might be actually quite surprised that when you do have that conversation, be it with a solicitor or a mortgage broker, or even the, the buyer and the seller, you will actually gain some really clear knowledge of where that's going. If you don't talk to them, you're not gonna get that understanding. And if you don't get that understanding, you're just mm -hmm. hoping that you know, you're sticking, as I say, you throw loads of mud against the wall, and some of it is stick and some of it will fall, but most of it will fall um, mm -hmm. because there's nothing to stick to. They, 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 haven't, they haven't had an agenda, they don't talk to them. Um, so that's why I think um, you know lots and lots of sales fall through because they're not taught the way we were taught. You know that you've got to literally nurture this, talk to them, have it in your agenda, follow it up properly, and get a real picture of what is going on. You might find that you might do lesser sales because of the time that you're devoting because now you're not doing WhatsApps and emails and. and text yeah, messages sure. and all mm. you might find that by doing you know 10 sales of quality is better than having 30 of no quality out of that 30 you might only find five have gone through but if you really nurture the 10 you might get nine of them go through so you know you can reduce those fall through rates by simply um taking on a, a role that means that you communicate and understand the other problem is a lot of them don't understand it a lot of agents actually don't even know what the questions are to ask and that is where um, solicitors really could uh, win if they actually we, in our in our time we used to get the solicitors come into our office and actually go through the process you know so the companies that i work for they would actually accommodate a, a solicitor a, a friendly solicitor who'd come in and, and have a, you know, half a dozen managers, managers or, or staff, negotiators, sit them down and literally 
uh, verbatim go through the process of what needs to be done, where they can help, where they don't mind asking questions, where they don't want to be bothered because there's nothing going on, and so forth and so forth. And we used to we used to know at that stage we need to pick up the phone and ask that question, and have a fruitful answer. Whereas now, you know, it's email. Hello, mate. How are you doing, etc. Yeah, I hope everything's good. I hope the family's well. And by the way, um, what's happening? About what? What's, what's happening about what? What, do you, what would you like to know? What's happening? Mm. Yeah, be specific to the question, and the chances are you might get a specific answer. <laughs> so it's, there's, there's an education issue in my mind, and that you know um, could could help a lot. Indeed. Wise advice as always, Joe. Time has beaten us once again. Thank you so much for watching uh, Property Matters. We'll be back same time next week.